Hello, my name's Elton and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, the community where we discuss everything that is Fulham. Come and join me and my sons, Jack and Sam, as we discuss, debate and arm wrestle everything about our wonderful football club. We're now also streaming live on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook and Twitch. We really hope you'll enjoy the next episode. So without any further delay, over to you, Jack. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. Here today for the first time in quite some time to discuss a few transfer rumours. We're going to be back in the off-season to try and give you as much Fulham news as possible. And joining me tonight we have Sammy. How are you going, Sam? We're back. Look how fun this is. It's been a nice little off-season. I, I still think this is technically the off-season, isn't it? This, this should be like the off-season. This is Big like... Time. This Everyone's is like on holiday in Dubai at the moment. Yeah, we're we're playing Villarreal right now. It's uh, it's we're we're sunny. It's on the coast, although it's freezing here. Why where I am? It's, yeah, it's gross. But yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Good stuff. And Dad, how are we going tonight, Elton? <laughs> yeah, that is me. Uh, fine, thanks. It feels uh, strange. Feels like ages since we uh, we potted. Um, out of, out of rhythm. Uh, yeah, semi into really... cricket mode. Yeah, it really does feel like a long time since we put it. It's only been a couple of weeks, I think, but um, yeah, it feels like feels like forever, which is kind of nice to to know that coming back to it is uh, is on the cards. And like I said, we're hoping to try and put as much content out there during the off season as possible. Obviously, it's tough with not a huge amount of Fulham news, but there is some stuff to discuss today. So um, let's get straight into it. First of all, um, Sammy, I'll throw to you. Now that the season's over and we can sort of actually reflect on our accomplishments, um, how how are you feeling knowing that we've we've finished tenth in the Premier League after so many years of yo-yoing? Oh my goodness! Okay, um, oh, it's just it's it's a relief. It's calm. I don't know. I mean, I I was talking to like my Chelsea friend um, the other day. And it was just a nice kind of smug conversation. And I really relished in that, like to just finally have the shoe on the other foot. And it's just, it's just those like little small luxuries and just every now and then hearing like pundits say, oh no, Fulham are actually pretty good kind of thing. And just in the most obscure places, like on Newcastle podcasts and just in, in general, it's just like now it's kind of gone past the are we a passing fad? It's like, no, we're actually getting our credit now because the season's over. And it's it's really, really lovely. And now we're just into the chaotic transfer side of things. And that's anxiety-inducing and stressful and all that other stuff. So, yeah, in a whole new stage now. I agree with you. There it is. It's the little things like, 
you know, the excitement of waiting for the Premier League fixtures to come out. It's something that, you know, each year you're sort of like, oh, wish we were doing that, sitting in the championship, and then it happens and you're like, oh, let's see which team's going to beat us and how bad our running's going to be and how we're going to possibly survive. And this year it just feels a little bit different this off-season because we're a Premier League club, we know that, we've managed to survive one season. It at least leads you to think that we should be able to f- survive a second season as well. And again, the little things, like I'm thinking to myself, looking forward to actually playing Fantasy Premier League next season because <laughs> uh, we're actually going to be there for the whole year. Dad, yeah. same question to you. Um having a chance to reflect, does it feel a bit surreal last season or are you just looking forward to next season? Uh, oh, look, I, I, I think I'm totally in the mode of of absolutely enjoying what we've done. And um, I, th- I think it's, it's this can be fleeting, you know, over the course of a lifetime mm. of following a club. This can evaporate very quickly for the likes of us. And it's not lost on me. And so I'm truly enjoying it and just relishing the memory of it. But I'm 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 also I'm also very keen to push on with this. And I've I've sort of got some anxiety that um somehow even though we're 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 everyone knows that we need to push on and we're capable of doing it, that Maybe maybe the Khans might get distracted and just not throw the toys behind this. Oh, it's a, it's a good point, and I, I agree. There, both of you have both said there's a bit of anxiety coming into this off season. I, I do totally agree. There's a lot of things we did well this season, but in being quite critical of ourselves because we had the ability to be quite critical because we've ended up finishing so comfortably we were able to actually look at what we did badly as well and not focus too much on it but I think there's a lot of gaps in this Fulham team that need to be addressed and I think this off-season is going to be one of our most important you know we, we've talked about off-seasons in the past where we're trying to get promoted and doing everything we can to strengthen the squad um, and you know we spend a hundred million one year we come up again and do it differently we come up previously and do it differently as well like it's it's really trying to find the balance and now we've sort of ticked the box of get promoted and stay up but the next step is actually stay up if that makes Mm. sense even though we've stayed up once but it's actually to turn ourselves into a mid-table team that stays in the premier league for a long period of time yeah my my, a lot of my anxiety now actually comes from like because obviously this transfer room is floating around of potential incomings and I have just completely just almost given up on speculating as to who would be good in the side. Because at the end of the day, I have trust in Silva as a manager. And I also just know that he sees things in players that I just don't necessarily see. So with all the players that are potentially linked to us now, I don't see how they fit. But I have to have faith in Silva that they will fit. And then that kind of gives me anxiety because then I just lose control and I can't check their FIFA stats and really get a good idea of how it works, you know? So, yeah. Well, my, my anxiety starts with the possibly the, the biggest signing that we should be doing, and that's Marcus Silva. Because I know 
that his very public condition of moving forward is to be given the the resources to to push on and you know is the reason he hasn't signed the main reason well sorry is the reason he hasn't signed is because the money is not guaranteed and if the money's not guaranteed um sure we're up in the premier league next year but and, and you know even if we even if we didn't sign a single player we might overperform again and we might end up in mid table again who knows possible but i don't really want that to be us and i don't think anyone wants that to be us i'm just i'm just uncomfortable with tony khan's love of wrestling <laughs> honestly honestly this time of year this time of year as much as the premier league this is the time when i want a camera in and this this for me is like the peak television show i want to see the politics that's going on because we're just totally in the dark it's just all speculation right now and this is kind of this is like the succession series that i want to see of all cuz it's all just speculation we don't know anything that's going on really behind like there's little bits of information but we don't know and that scares me uh, look there's there's a lot floating around at the moment and there's a lot to to consider especially as a Fulham fan one thing i will say though is over the last couple of years i think tony khan has actually done over oh, tony khan and his team have actually done a really really good job with their recruitment we look mm. at uh, i i think and i saw someone tweet it and I, i'm really annoyed that i can't remember who it was but what they said was the the recruitment of players in the last maybe say four maybe even five years has been really really good the recruitment of managers over that time has actually been quite poor because mm. we haven't had a manager until marco who can actually get the most out of a set of players Imagine if Silva had um, Angisa and, you know, players of that kind of ability, Anderson, um, Ariola in goal. Like, these are some seriously top-class players, and I think Silva would have got a lot out of them. Imagine having Angisa and Polina in defence together, how unbeatable we would be, and having Reem and Anderson. Like... Um, you know, we, we've had some, some really good signings over the last few years. And I think, I, I hope that firstly, because of the implications of FFP, we have been hamstrung for a while since that hundred million pound transfer window a few years ago. I think that is in the past now. And so we're actually going to be able to open up the, the, the wallet a little bit more and potentially bring in some more exciting signings. Plus on top of that, I, I expect we're going to see some outgoings, which we'll sort of discuss a little bit on this podcast and in a couple of future podcasts as well, because this uh, transfer rumors series, I guess will be multiple episodes over the off season where we'll just touch base and see where everything's going. But I expect we could easily have a hundred million plus to spend in this off season. Hard to say exactly, but I think it's, it's a high possibility that we're going to have money to spend. It's just about if we spend it wisely and if we retain the players that we, that uh, you know, make up the core of this side. Um, mm. go, I'll, I'll flick to, I've only got a couple of slides here. I'll flick to the first one and it's something that was announced uh, about a week or so ago. Just the, the fixtures. Sammy, when you saw the fixtures come out, was there anything that in particular stood out to you? Um, like, honestly, not really. I mean, 
I don't really believe too much in good runs and bad runs. At the end of the day, the Premier League's so competitive that you like you go into it just knowing that you're going to have to play all these teams twice. So yeah, you can have a good start, but I mean, at the start of last season, what like what, I can't even remember how it went, but I know it started with Liverpool, then went to Wolves, and then who was following that? We but had a pretty argue- tough start to last season. Yeah, but we did really well. So yeah. at the end of the day, it's, I mean, we, this is Silver's third season. He's really established now. He's going to have a full season to potentially, oh, sorry, a full preseason to potentially build up some youth players and like um, build up some new players into like the squad. And that's all you can really hope for, in my opinion. Like, I mean, to be a, a new manager coming in mid season, that just messes you up. Like, I feel like last season was the, best example of that across the prem so yeah it's 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 just a fixture list to me yeah that's that's just kind of how i see it uh yeah i i, I don't feel the same way i, I to good me, no to me um if you look at the importance of that first game against liverpool how we jumped out of the blocks mm. how well we performed we we really sent a signal and it, it is all about how I think how you start for a mid-team table for anyone, but particularly for uh, you know a mid to lower table, how you start is enormous. So I'm I'm kind of still back at the transfer window anxiety that you know one of the things that regardless of of the players we have signed, Jack, um, one of the criticisms surely has to be on a commercial level that we don't land these players early. We try to optimize these yep. deals and get wonderful signings at great value, but that doesn't help the start of your campaign. And mm. gee, that's that makes life really difficult if if it takes you five or six games to get going, and then eventually you start, you know, picking up a few points. Um, that that's big time, big time. It's a big difference between tenth and maybe you know fifteenth, sixteenth, frankly. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and look, I, I agree with you. I really think one of the biggest things that Fulham need to focus on this year, and and maybe we will because we are officially Premier League, and we we knew that fairly early. But we need the players in early. We mm. we saw last year. I, I can't remember the game it was. I think it was the Wolves game, and we looked back on the team that we played in that Wolves game, as in the the eleven players we put out on the pitch. And we we were fielding Torres Francois, Jay Stansfield, these young guys who did a pretty good job at the end of the day, but we we hadn't signed blokes like Willian and Dan yeah. James is a, a squad player, admittedly, but we, we brought in a lot of people after the first three games of the season had already been played. Then it takes them, you know, some guys take some time to settle in um, in terms of their fitness because they haven't been training pre-season because they know they're out the door anyway. So it'll take them maybe a month until they're up to full match fitness. And so really by the time they're, they're ready to play and they know the system, it's October, November, and you've actually lost a massive chunk of the season already. Um, well, that to me is not good business. Seriously. 100%. <laughs> you, know, you, you might pick up a player for a couple of million because you really, really nickel di- and dimed on the deal. But at what cost? You know, you've given your manager no chance on day one of having a full firing squad. 
And I reckon that's worth millions and millions in terms of if, if you want to measure that in terms of your final position, the table, I think it's worth tens of, what, maybe tens of millions. Yeah, I, I, I do think that part of the reason we nickled and dimed and, and potentially took a bit longer on some of those deals is because we were coming up to the Premier League and we hadn't survived on the previous two attempts. And so you do have to be a little bit careful about your spending and, and be a little bit smarter than maybe some other clubs can be, like Chelsea, for example, just splash cash and don't even care how mm. it looks and, and what kind of deal they structure. But we have had to be a little bit more careful. We probably don't have to be quite as careful now. Um, what I will say about the, the fixture list, I... I uh, I remember Cottage Analytica and, and a few other people basically saying, you know, Fulham were expected to pick up a point a game. And so if you break up this fixture list into three game blocks, you need one win out of every three games. You look at those first three games, you probably pick up a win against Everton. The next three, you pick up a win against Luton. The next three, you pick up one against Sheffield United and so on. There are little tough periods in there, like playing Brighton, Man U and Villa. Um, mm. There's one where we play Arsenal, Chelsea and Everton. Another one where those are flipped. And then things will change slightly as well because some of these teams will be in Europe and we will see some matches delayed and there'll be cup games that'll push fixtures around the place. So there, there will be some changes to this. But I, I think at the end of the day, if you can just keep rolling along at a point a game for the whole season, you should be absolutely fine. And looking at that list, I can see us doing that. The My only issue is it's a, it's a nasty little run-in, having to play um, Newcastle, Liverpool, Brentford and Man City in your last six games. Um, mm. It's just a bit... You don't want to be fighting for relegation at that point because some of those games will be massive six pointers and they're they're not going to be easy. Yeah, I, I I think I get your point about that statistical analysis, but to me that is only technical analysis of picking up a point every three games because you you know it doesn't doesn't work. Sorry, three points every three games. It doesn't actually work like that. You, you're going to pick up points, three points against teams that are statistically weaker than you um, yeah. no of course but but what i'm saying is you just have to try and stay on that trajectory obviously you'll fly above the line and then you'll dip back under it and jump up and down through the season but if you if if you aim to try and get that sort of result and and stumble your way to 40 points almost i think that's a really good way of looking at it and breaking this list down because a lot of people have said it's a very tough fixture list and there's not many opportunities to get a good run of fixtures going because it, it is important. It, it's form, you know, being yeah, able to win no, three sure. games on the bounce. No, if you look I at agree. this fixture uh, list, I can't see a point where you win three games on the bounce, really. Oh, momentum mm. is enormous, right? For, for, for someone like us, it's huge. I, I guess that's why December or, or sort of Christmas, that period um, just happens to be about the sort of halfway point in the season. And that's mm. kind of when you've got a reasonable sense because you have played every team once-ish and you kind of know. But I, I agree with you. You know, you, you have to find a little patch where you can establish some momentum. And if you keep coming up against monsters, how do you do that? Mm. Very hard. Yeah, the last monsters in the Premier League, though, that's the only thing for me. It's like kind of impossible to get around them. 
Hundred percent. It's a, it's a tough league, and you know, you look at all those games. I don't think there's many teams that you would just discount and go, yeah, that's three points. Even mm. this season, we saw it. The you know, there were some pretty average teams playing this year in Leicester and Southampton, but I don't think we ever booked ourselves a guaranteed three points against any team this year. Yeah. Um, apart from maybe when we did our tipping and actually decided that we were going to win every single game this year, but that's a different story. That is actually one thing as well, before we move on, that is one thing that in high, going back to our very first point, I, I am slightly annoyed that the Premier League has now become a guaranteed seven teams uh, have massively inflated finances in comparison to all the other teams because there's no other league in the world where that is that. And in any other scenario, we probably would have been top six if that wasn't for that case. But say la vie. Yeah, uh, hard to say, definitely. But um, yeah, I, I agree. It's obviously annoying that there's a, a top six that are very hard to break into. We saw it even with the fact that Liverpool had a terrible start and were languishing, but their quality did shine through eventually. But then again, you could say Chelsea would normally be considered one of those top six and they mm. dropped off the perch. You look at yeah. Leicester, they won the Premier League, what, six, seven years ago, and they've now been relegated. Like, it's... Nothing's nothing's a definite in the Premier League apart from Haaland probably scoring thirty goals again. Um, well, apart from that, spare, I think there's, there's very little that's that's locked in. Spare a thought for French teams trying to compete with PSG or Spanish the teams trying team. to compete with Mar- uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid. You know, there's yeah. there's stupid. Well, at least there's. Uh, it's a bit lopsided because there are six very, very strong clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel way, way, way off for the top ten um, to to be getting a result against those top teams. So it's it's not too bad, really, mm. realistically. Oh, it's actually, the the most lopsided is actually in Germany, where yeah, um, yeah. Bayern have won it every year for the last. 10, 10 or years? 12 now, I think. Or, yeah. Apparently, uh, they had it, a really yeah. poor season as well, and it was literally Borussia They won it on the final it. day, I think. They beat, yeah. beat Dortmund lost, and they won to win the league on the final day. Yeah, um, after a really poor season, they still they still won. Yeah. Scottish, anyway. Scottish Premier League. Yeah. Yeah, at least there's two teams there that fight it out every year. It's a bit more interesting. Um, let's have a quick look at the... Announcement that came out late last week with the uh, Fulham release list. So the departing players who, at the expiry of the contracts, will be leaving Fulham. So um, we'll sort of go through them one at a time. Firstly, Joe Bryan, obviously a bit of a Fulham legend for his goal against Brentford in the playoff final. Um, But Sammy, are you disappointed to see Bryan leave or do you think it's time? Do you know what? I'm actually not um, uh, blasphemous as that might be. Really like Joe Bryan. Really, really like him. Um, but I have a lot of closure. Like he's he's given us moments. He's given us he's given us a lot over the what four years, three years that he's been with us. And I I it does feel right now. Like I feel that um, Robinson has fully taken on the mantle and run with it for. Um, lack of a better word, and yeah, it it feels right that this is the time when Joe Bryan leaves. I mean, you can obviously make the case that he could totally be in the squad, and I think that's valid. But 
it feels right, and he's he's given us enough, in my opinion. So I, there's no love loss there, and yeah, I just it feels right. It feels nice, and and it's it's like it's like ending a really really long relationship. You just leave with closure. I've got plenty of closure, so I wish him all the best. Dad, I, it does feel right, um, but I just had a thought there. You know, if if I had the option of um, Kazawa coming on to replace an injured or tired Robinson versus Joe Bryan. I'd pick Bryan every day, even today. Yeah. Even though he hasn't played in the Premier League for, you know, I don't know how long, I'd pick him every day. But yeah. it does feel right. I think he, he doesn't fit. He's not quite up to the ambition of this team. And um, he's been a you know, fantastic servant. He's been part of some really great moments. Uh, yeah, like Sam says, I, I completely wish him well. I think he's he's a good egg. Is it weird to say that he deserves to start? Like, because I, I don't think he should be playing second fiddle. And I don't even really want to call it second fiddle, but I feel that he should be starting wherever he is, and I want that for him. Uh, look, he, yeah. he definitely doesn't start. The, the question will be, is it a smart move to release him when we're potentially, and we'll talk about it later, but potentially uh, selling Robinson, or at least there's some interest in Robinson. Um, so if Robinson gets sold, because I, I, the the interest is coming from Man City and Man City have money, probably offer a very, very good deal for Robinson. I heard $30 million touted. Um, uh, if you sell Robinson for $30 million and you release Duffy and Kazawa's gone back off after his loan has expired... We actually have no left back and no backup left back at that point. So that would be my only thought about maybe it was not the, not definitely the right decision. But I also agree. I think Joe Bryan is probably not Premier League standard. Um, and he should be playing first team football every week. He should be starting because he's a good enough player to play in the championship or for a lower end Premier League team. Um, but I, I think it's probably the right decision. Um, Shane Duffy, dad, there's not a huge amount to say here. Duffy only made a handful of appearances. He looked very good in the FA Cup, I think. But apart from that, uh, it was obvious that he was there as a bit of a last resort. And we fortunately didn't really have to call on him that much through the year. Look, he was there very tactically to plug a hole. And I, I, I guess he's done his job. Um, mm. uh, I, you know, I don't. I don't think that there's any great surprise that he's moving on. Even even his his his, his loan to permanence um, earlier this year. I, I I don't think no one read anything into that other than the fact that it enabled us to, uh, you know, change change the balance of our our loan ratio. Yeah. Um. So look. Um. Good luck to him. Seems like a lovely bloke. Yeah, I'd have a drink with him. That's probably where I'd leave it. <laughs> um, Gazaniga leaving This is an interesting one Because I reckon We're probably going to see Rodak Walk out this summer As I say walk out That makes it sound a lot more dramatic uh, I think Rodak is a, a similar sort of Player to Joe Bryan In that he should be playing first team football He's a good enough keeper For definitely the championship And potentially again Another lower end Premier League team But when you're sitting behind Leno, you're just not getting a shout. And if mm. you're, you're Rodak's age, I, I can't remember. I think he might even be 30 now. Um, 
he might be a little bit younger than that, but I feel like he should be playing first team football. Sorry, he's 26. So he's a Slovakian international. He's playing international football, but sitting on the bench for Fulham. Like it, it just feels like a bit of a waste of his career almost. That that might seem a little bit over the top, but um, I, I, I see Rodak moving on and I see Gazaniga being released. Again, it, it begs the question, are we releasing too many players here in a position that we're now have, having to strengthen in the off-season? Um, Sammy, your thoughts on Gazaniga being released? Would you like to have seen him hang around for another season or do you think, again, right decision? Yeah, in a word, no. Um, I think when he when, and I don't even I don't even mean it as a slight. I think when he played for us, we were a means to an end for him at that moment. I don't think he ever really fully invested in the club, and can't ask players to invest in the club if they're not invested. And I would rather see him move on for somebody better. I know he's had a really strong season in La Liga, but yeah, best of luck to him. See ya. <laughs> Ted? Um, well, I, I, when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that was pretty much my view that I know he's had an outstanding season. There's been lots of really, really good chat about him and I wish him really well, but I'm, I'm not interested in having him back. I didn't like what I saw last time. I thought he, he looked really disorganised and I mm. felt really anxious when when he was actually standing between the, the sticks. I really did. And um, I, I don't even want to see him, someone like that as a backup. Um, yeah. You know, R- Rodak, I think, is a is a pretty good backup. And I, I get get the point that players have to be have an eye, well, more than just an eye on uh, their career development. I, I don't know that it's perfectly reasonable to say, oh, he's playing international football um, mm. and therefore he shouldn't be um, on the bench for a Premier League club, you know. Slovenia, where is he from? Slovenia, is that right? Slovakia, Slovakia. same, same. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> well, it is, but you know, all Yugoslavia, like, I guess. Yeah, to clear that up, if, if if you're playing, if you're playing international for Fiji, then you'd probably be pretty happy to sit on the bench and you know in the championship. So it it all depends on where you think. Your or realistically, your sight should be set. And I guess the question is, is Paul Gazaniga a potential Premier League keeper? Um, I would doubt that. I would doubt that. So um, is is Rodak a potential Premier League keeper? Well, he probably is, but at the, at you know, in, in the, the very lower end of the, the Premier League, I would have thought. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't think he's up to the standard to be a Premier League goalkeeper. Um, he's obviously done it in the past, but he's always been a backup keeper for Premier League teams. And look, he's got a lot of experience, and sometimes you do want that around the club. But I'd rather us bring in an old head like a 38-year-old. I can't remember who it was who was being touted. It could have been Mignolet or someone similar that someone, we were looking at. from as... Everton, I think. Uh, possibly. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but... Yeah, um, so I saw something definitely just very, very late some, today. Like a 38-year-old keeper, basically. Someone who you you bring in and they understand that they're there to sit on the bench and that's basically all they're going to do. 
Let's get Schwartz back. Why not? Just, yeah. just, just I was just back. thinking that. Just, well, I mean, just that's what Schwartz did at Chelsea. Chelsea didn't yeah. couldn't convince a top tier keeper to be mm. a backup keeper. Thank you, Steve What's... Reynolds, on our live stream, just saying it's uh, Asmir Berg- Bergovic who was keeper Thank at you, Stoke Steve. for many, many years. So not Beg- oh. Bergovic, but <laughs> sorry, Steve, misspelling there. Asmir Begovic. Thanks, Black, White, and Fred. Um, What's the yes, bloke at um, Man City as well? He's like Carson or something like that. He's like forty oh, Carson, or something. Yeah, yeah he's, he's not playing. He's, he's, he's not playing at all. <coughs> but he's what he's, he's won, like he's five premierships to be a training partner. Um, yeah, and true, and that's actually, kind of what yeah. you need. And we saw Schwarzer went to Chelsea and did the same thing. Uh, a lot of keepers, when they hit a certain age, they go and basically sit on the bench. Uh, Peter Cech mm. basically went to Arsenal to do that, and then became Arsenal's first keeper um because he was just that good but mm. yeah look uh, i i think i, I think gazaniga's it, it's right to release him and uh, i'm interested to see who we do pick up in the off season because with gazaniga leaving and i think rodak probably leaving as well uh, i think leno needs a more experienced keeper to be back up for him i can't think i don't think you can leave it to uh, ashby hammond who would be the the next youth player i guess in the fulham setup mm. Um, the last of the sort of ex-first team players being released, we got Stephen Sessegnon, obviously the brother of Ryan Sessegnon, who left us a few years ago. Um, Dad, your thoughts on releasing Sessegnon? It's been, I think he tweeted and said it's something like 14 years he's been at Fulham. So mm. a big change for Sessegnon, but he he hasn't really been in the plans for quite a long time. Yeah, I, I, on a personal level, that must be a wrench for someone who's been at the club since he was, what, like six years old or something crazy? Um, joined in 2008, he, so he was eight when he joined the club. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, you know, that must be, I mean, he's grown up there. You know, that would be incredible for him to be moving on, plus the fact that he's obviously, you know, been there for a huge chunk of that time with his brother, who is his twin brother. So that would be an emotional separation for him but honestly um you know we, we're discussing joe bryan at length and and obviously shane duffy's played decent football and it's kind of proven himself to a certain degree at a level but to be fair stephen sessignon has not and if we're talking about discussing you know whether or not Joe Bryan could or could not be a backup at left back. Stephen Sessignon is is way off the pace, to be really fair to the guy, not being, you know, being nasty to him, but um in 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 terms of moving forward, I don't think this is uh putting our plans at risk. Going going back to the original point that I made with Joe Bryan and closure before. This one actually probably hurts me the most because this was the one where it was it could have been poetry. It could have been really, really interesting. It could have been a great story, and it just wasn't meant to be. And it just kind of makes me sad because I really liked the narrative of, oh, yeah, Ryan's gone off, but we've still got Steven, and he's got an injury right now, but maybe he can rise up, and it just never accumulated that way. And... That that leaves me with a bit of a a sad face, but uh, is what it is. 
Yeah, look, I, I think it's always sad. A player who's been at the club for 15 years in total, leaving. Mm. It, it is, it's a, it's a sad moment. But at the end of the day, you know, he played 14 games for Fulham back in the championship in 2019-20 uh, season. Since then, he played half a season with Bristol City in the championship, half a season with Plymouth Argyle in League One, and then he performed really well for Charlton this year. I think he was right up there with their player of the season vote. Um, and they, they're obviously playing in League One. He made 38 appearances. He's 23 years old. He should be making a lot of appearances at, at that age, especially when, you know, you're obviously well thought of. He's got a lot of England youth caps to his name. He's a talented player. He's just not getting the opportunities and he's not going to get the opportunities at Fulham. So mm. I think it's it's the right move for Sessegnon and I'm sure it wouldn't surprise me if Fulham offered him the opportunity to stay at the club because I bet you he's not on a very high wage. But I think he he and uh, his his team have probably made the decision that it's the right thing for him to leave rather than to just keep going out on loan to different clubs and, and maybe it's time for him to make a name for himself at a Charlton or at a, another team down in League One who are, you know, pushing for promotion and maybe he can get back up into the championship and, you know, be like some of those players at Luton who have pushed from from League One players all the way into the Premier League because they find a good system and they they find a good team and and stick with it. So best of luck to to Cessignon and, and to all of the players who we've we've mentioned so far as well in their their future endeavours because obviously they they'll always be remembered as Fulham players and it's it's always hopeful that we see them go on to bigger and better things. Um, the rest of the list, we have uh, Thorstein Antonsen, Sonny Hilton, Ziad Kesh, Jonathan Page, Murphy Parker and Jean-Pierre Tihi being released. Um, obviously, all youth players. Sonny Hilton, I think, made a couple of cup appearances for us. Mm. Uh, I do believe he was actually captaining our under-21s team, so wouldn't surprise me if he has also made the decision to go on and try and chance it at a League One, maybe even a championship side as well, and try and get something, try and get his career kick-started because I think he's about 20, 21 at the moment. So good opportunity for him to move on. Uh, in terms of players who are out of contract but have been offered contracts, now we haven't heard any further news on either of these about how the negotiations are going, but contract offers have been made to Niskins, Cabana and to William. I'll start with Niskin. Sammy, obviously he had a pretty horrific injury this season um, and we saw a little bit of him at the very end. Um, do we think it's a good deal offering Niskins a, a new contract? Attachment aside, I'm actually not sure. Um, uh, I think we do have a bit of a reputation of holding on to players maybe a little bit longer than we probably should in my opinion um just out of pure attachment um i really like cabano um but i was thinking about this in pokemon terms the other day bear with me if um willian is blastoise and solomon is wartortle i think cabano is squirtle and i still really like squirtle but i'm not going to pick squirtle over wartortle or blastoise and so do I really want to prioritize it? I'm not sure. That's my pitch. It, that pitch only works for those who know Pokemon. If you don't know Pokemon, then what are you doing here? You know? Well, you we just had one person drop off the live stream, so they obviously don't like it. <laughs> well, um, you know what? You weren't supposed to be here anyway, and that's fine. 
Uh, I actually think uh, Cabano surprised me. I, I, I really wasn't sure whether he was going to be able to step up. And I, mm. I think, I think he looked, he, he was starting to look really interesting, not the totally. full package, but definitely pretty handy. And on his day running at defenders, I think he was a handful. And then of course mm. the injury, I, I was actually amazed that he actually even came back um, and, and got, got back into the side before the end of the season. I think he's 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 clearly Premier League level. There's mm. no doubt about that. Um, I don't think that's in question. Whether I mean we, we we've we've got quite a lot of wing winger type options. We that's really the have. Thing. Yeah. Um, like... But there's but the, the, none of them are kind of dead set, hundred percent fit, twenty five year olds who are the full package. It's a bit but of a neither mixed is Cabana. <laughs> no, but it's what I'm saying. He's part of that mixed bag, and yeah. until we sign two absolute jets at left and right wing, I think Cabana has a role to play, and I love him around the squad. I think people, I think, I think he's um, good vibes, mm. and I think. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very very happy that, that we made an offer to him. I'm really happy about it. I, Look, think, reason, I think he's very entertaining. I think he's really yeah. entertaining as well. Look, the reason why I referred to him as Squirtle is Squirtle's great. Everybody loves Squirtle, but is it the best business decision? I'm not a hundred percent sure. And you know what? I would love to be proven wrong. Prove me wrong. That'd be great. I'd love to see Cabano uh, score like three or four goals next year, but I'm just not. I'm just not sure. Uh, look, you got to. Keep your Pokedex full, Sammy. Um, Wacky races. You've just shown your age there, Steve. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> what what I, I agree with, a comment on our live stream here from Black, White and Fred. Cabano is playing some of his best football at the start of the season. think the length of injury has made people forget this. And look, mm. Cabano was one of our best players. And admittedly, this is before Willian signed as well. But Cabano was starting pretty much every game before his injury. And he was looking great. He was so mm. tricky on the wings. And I just yeah. remember thinking, geez, this this almost looks like a completely different Neeskins than we're used to because we know he's good, but he just looked like supremely confident, running at defenders, taking shots, putting in crosses. Like I, I loved the look of Neeskins at the start of the season. It was a real shame that he got injured. And I think the signing of Willian almost overshadowed how good Neeskins was because Willian was just even better um and, and i think it's it's a worthy risk to take on Neeskins. I, I i could have understood if they released him um but i'm glad they stuck with him because i think he he could surprise a few people and he adds a lot of depth in the wing considering as well um actually let's talk about that now considering the fact that there's actually no news here on manor solomon um, mm. Fulham didn't make an announcement on Solomon. They also didn't make an announcement on Dan James, but they didn't make an announcement on any of the loan signings. So we're assuming Dan James is going back to Leeds. We're assuming Kazawa's gone back to PSG and Suarez has gone back to Arsenal. Um, but the, the Solomon deal was a little bit more complicated and there's been no news, no announcement on it for some time. There was a lot of rumours going around that um, he'd be joining Tottenham and Tottenham had made an approach for him and 
Shakhtar then said they would sue Tottenham, which was <laughs> a bit of Twitter beef that was flying around at one point. But if if Solomon doesn't sign, um, and then you also have Dan James leave, our, our wing depth does take a bit of a hit. And it would also be sitting in the back of Silva's mind going, I thought we were fine going into the last season, but then I lost Wilson and Cabano in the first few games and we were screwed. So it, offering a, a contract to a player like Niskins, who's probably not earning a bucket load uh, and giving him, I, I wouldn't have thought it's any more than a one-year extension, uh, I think is probably the right call. And then on, on to Williams, William, William, Sammy, <laughs> um, you know, one of the top five players of the season as voted by Fulham fans. Um uh, I don't think this was ever in question that Fulham were going to be offering Willian an extension. It's not even a long conversation for me. It's just yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. Dad? Oh, I, I've been out there saying he's my most exciting player. I've enjoyed watching him above all. Um, I love what he brings to the side. I love his... Not only his experience, but just his class. And I think he brings ambition to an in, in, in invention. And he makes plays around him probably play in that kind of Latin Brazilian style. I, I believe that. Um, mm. And so I, I, I love having him part of it. And I think he think he's, he's, a, he's a really good person around the squad as well with some of the younger players. You know, um, my dad as well. So. Uh- Oh no, yeah, sorry. sorry. I was I was just going to say um on that note as well. The thing cuz I can think of three if not four moments last season where he did this. William, it's not even like a Brazilian thing. He is just that Champions League top quality bit of class and he knows how to essentially set a standard when he's playing for other wingers like Harry Wilson and Manuel Solomon to follow and go, no, this is what we do now. This is how we play. I know you're tentative, but I am just going to do it for you. And then you keep, you follow me. And he's amazing at doing that. He just leads by example. And I love him for it. Well, I think if, if you, you wanted to think in, in terms of just those two players, I feel like Harry Wilson was probably inspired by William more than maybe Solomon was. Oh, that's probably 100%. a little unfair on Solomon. We didn't, see enough of him but mm. if if there's any criticism so far of Solomon is that he probably lacks a bit of variety in his play and he kind of he, he's got a certain style and he's pretty awesome when that comes off but in terms of Wilson he looked like he, he kind of unshackled Harry Wilson yeah. where at the moment mm-hmm. where he needed to so yeah I'm, I'm delighted. I'm delighted. I'd give him two years. I'd back him. Me too. Yeah, I, I think I'd realistically... Have him, I'd have him on one leg. Realistically, it's going to consistently be one-year deals that we'll get out of William. I think um, he's probably in the same boat where I'm sure he's teeing up retirement at some point. Um, he loves playing football. He loves living in London. He loves the area. So I think that's going to keep him around to as long as possible. It's just a matter of if he, come the end of next season, goes, actually, I'm kind of ready for a rest now. Um, but I, I, I'm sure if he continues to perform like he did last season, we, we just keep signing him up over and over again. Um, 
And look, I don't think it's, I, I don't know the details of his contract. I'm, I don't think it's a massive payday for him compared to what he would have been on in the past. But he seems very happy at Fulham. I don't know if you guys listened to the Fulham Fix episode with him, but yeah, it did. He Love loves it. the area. Yeah. He loves living in London. His family's happy. He's settled. He just feels, seems like he's very content where he is. And so while that continues, I think Fulham will just keep signing him up because he's obviously top class. And mm. even when his pace starts to drop off, uh, I think he's still going to be an absolute handful for defenders. He showed it this season. He's not the same Willian from 10 years ago, but geez, he can cause a lot of damage. It's kind of crazy well, was... listening back to that as well, hearing the fact that he played against us when he was at Shakhtar in the Europa League. Which is 14, 15 years ago. And he was at the very top end of his game back then, and, and he's still going. Mm, it's crazy. But seriously, Jack, he, he, he's so skillful that even if he lost a yard and a half of pace, he would still be deadly. Oh, for sure. He would be. Well, he already kind of has. And like, I feel that like he's going to keep on losing pace, but you can't lose class. Like, you can't lose that touch. You can't you lose that instinct that he's, he's his intellect for like, and his intellect, his composure. He's just top draw. You just, yeah, he's just top draw, man. Pinpoint accuracy. He's amazing. I love him. Uh, the other three players who were offered a extension of or have been offered contracts after becoming out of contract players: Luciano Di Aria, Henry, Stefan Parks, and Devon Tanton. Uh, all defenders playing for the under twenty ones. All had pretty good seasons with the under twenty ones. Who had a very good year. Um, so obviously there's there's a bit of talent being spotted there. It'd be interesting to see if any of those three end up with the first team squad next season because we did release quite a few youth players. So um yeah, I think I, I think that wraps it up. There's a few other players who um were offered contracts. Let me just have a quick look. Uh, there's one year extensions for Eban Bauer, Jay Williams, both defenders, and Marshall Godot as well, who's a striker for the under twenty ones. Um, so there's a bit of talent in the under-21s team. We played very, very well this season. It'll be interesting to see if we do promote a few of those guys through into the senior team this year. Might have been too much of a risk last year, but maybe now we can actually put a bit of faith in some of those players now that we're building a bit of a better spine. Um, let's have a bit of a chat now about some rumours floating around, and I'll just throw a few of them out there for, for you guys to comment on. Um the first one is the fact that uh, Tosin Adarabayo has basically come forward and said he wants to leave the club this year. I think we all sort of knew it was coming, and Tosin really did see Fulham as a bit of a stepping stone. He had a really good season, and I think he's obviously off the back of that now gone, you know, I'm ready for, for a new challenge. He's still very young. He has one year left on his contract, so uh, we we could keep him for another year but then lose him on a free or potentially cash in on him now. Dad, I know you've been um, a bit hot and cold on Tosin over the last, say, three years. How do you feel now that we might have seen the last of Tosin in a Fulham shirt? Um, well, you're right. I, I've been very critical of Tosin, certainly the last, um, yeah, the last two or three years for sure. He He's frustrated me because I think he's talented but there are some big gaps and I think he's kind of loose, oftentimes loose in defence. He gives the ball away um, and he takes, I think he takes high risk uh, in trying to be creative and inventive 
and that always kind of worried me because I don't think that's necessarily part. Well, it, it's 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 really handy if your centre back can deliver that, but if you can't do it with high reliability, it's a bloody massive liability. Um, I I I kind of feel with and and then in, in you know the, the back end of this season, I think he's he's really improved, and I've and I've actually said so, and I'm happy to. Um, to have actually commended his performance because I think some of his performances, particularly when, you know, when we were in a difficult position with Ream having uh, sort of dropped out through injury, he needed to step up and he really did and he played with great aggression and he, he was commanding in a couple of games. But I've, I always have the feeling with Tosin, and I said this to you guys privately, I've always had the feeling with Tosin that he, he actually thinks he's more of a complete package than he really is. And and I think there's a disagreement on that between Marco Silva and the team and Tosin. And I think I, I, I could smell that tension all along. Um, and so, you know, if he doesn't... And I, and I, I suspect it came down to... Um, because my understanding is that he was it was offered to him to be part of the team or part of the future. And um, he's obviously asked for more money. That That's surely the way it's gone. He's asked for more I, money. I actually don't even think he's asked for more money. I think he just yeah. said, I, I'm just not interested in signing a new contract. Mm-hmm. That, that's I, I, what, I, thought... I don't know the inside word on it for sure, but my understanding is he, he's just said, I'm I'm ready to move on and I want a new challenge. I don't think there's... I mean, maybe okay. there is an amount thought, that Tosin might I take, thought, but I don't think there's much of an opportunity to turn it around. I th- okay, I, I thought they did have a conversation and there was a dialogue and they couldn't come to an agreement. That was my understanding. I think that was midway through last season and I think things have changed now that the season's done. He's basically made up his mind. Okay, mm. well, okay, in that, in that case, I'm going to change my answer. If you're not <laughs> interested in being part of it, you know, ciao. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of echo the same sentiments. I mean, I I said as early as the start of um, last season that I think that he could have got. I thought he was potentially even going to go in the transfer window, um, as in like the mid season one. Mm. Um, I think I think he's I think particularly this season more so than any other. He's kind of had one foot out the door, so to speak, and yeah. Going forward, I think we we can't really afford to have somebody who's not necessarily 100% committed. The team just doesn't work if people aren't committed. It doesn't work with the way that we play, and that can seriously, seriously um, bring us down. Um, yeah, like, it's... it's an, I felt very differently about it this morning, um, but, yeah... That's that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, look, I, I I agree. I if a player doesn't want to be here, then there's no point in keeping them around. I think it it pulls down the the whole mood of the changing room. Like if a bloke, mm. if we keep Tosin for the rest of the season, knowing that he's leaving already at the end of the season, it's it's a very big risk. I think to it's the culture of a team. Uh, it doesn't I, seem I worth think- it, and and. Look, he does seem like he's a little bit of an outsider. You look at there's a bit of a core group there of 
Pereira and Kenny and Willian and the guys who you always see on the stories on Instagram and Snapchat and they're all having a laugh in the change room and having just a learn play Portuguese posting. Stop moping, all right? Just learn Portuguese. Oh, even with you know um, Harrison Reed and Decker yeah. Dover Reed and those guys who just all seem to be a very tight knit group and Tyson just feels fractionally on the outside of that and maybe that's because he had made up his mind that he was he was ready to move on but. Look, I, I think cashing in on him now Jack. and picking up, yeah, go on. Well, what do you think? What do you think is at the heart of it? Do you think it's a personality thing between him and Silver? Do you think um, because I mean, you know, we're tenth. We've had a storming season. Um, within a couple of years, there could be European football. Uh, God knows, you know, spend a few hundred million dollars over the next few years. There could be Champions League football. I don't know. No, I'm not I saying reckon... it's, it's happening. Well, I reckon if, if that happens, Tosin drops even further down the pecking order. Yeah. I think he he probably wants to be playing um, more regular football. Tosin is oh, how old is Tosin? He he's in his early twenties. He's born in ninety seven, so he's twenty five. He's, mm. he's sort of a couple of years off his peak. He needs to be playing every single week. He's been with Fulham for three seasons, four seasons. Uh, three seasons now, he's played just shy of 100 league games. Um, you know, he should be a little bit closer to probably 120, 130, 150 games, considering he played a couple of seasons in the championship with us as well. Um, I, I And look, I think it's a stepping stone for him. He came from Man City on the cheap, massively on the cheap, looking to make a name for himself. Um, he sort of has done that at Fulham, and now he can go and take the next step, hopefully, in his career. And and look, I, I'd say he'd be looking at a higher Premier League team, maybe even like a Brighton, as a maybe a backup centre-back at Brighton where you're playing regular European football, or he drops down to maybe go to somewhere like a Leicester and be their mm. starting defender in the Championship and then come back up from the Championship with Leicester and be a starting Premier League defender. I don't None know of those exactly strategies what the next step make is. sense to me. None <laughs> yeah. of those tactics make sense to me. Um, because if you think you're better than 10th place Fulham, who've got ambition, successful manager, and bucks to spend, we think, um, and you played the last, you know, 10 games of the season and did well, um, doesn't make sense to me. But so remember it, as it, well. Go, go on, sorry, Sammy. Well, is it just that he just wants to be the the starting guy? Like, is it is it I more so. just like it? He wants Maybe. to play Premier League, and it doesn't matter if he's playing like at like Wolves or something like that. As long as he is the starting guy, and no one's taking that position away from him, he doesn't care, and he doesn't like the fact that he essentially has competition, and that kind of stifles him more so than actually Egamon to actually be better. He's probably an only child. He's got sharing issues. Wow, Dad, Jesus. Come on. He, he probably, he's right. not an only child, but he probably thinks that he should be um, he should be in line for an England call-up. And look, I think he yeah. actually has the ability to be that kind of player at some point. Mm, uh, maybe uh, Silver going, just going to Leicester in the championships ain't going to do that for you. No, hey, no, look, but Harry it, Maguire but can might. get you need, a, you need a, a restart to your career because I think it's it's just sort of fallen away a little bit. I do, I do agree he had a good end of the season, but to your point as well of saying, um, you know, Fulham could be a European 
team next year. We're not a we're not a team who finished tenth anymore. It's a, it's a mm. fresh slate at the start of the season. Of course. Um, and so you just don't know. And so maybe he's looking for something, something slightly different. And uh, maybe he'll go overseas as well. It wouldn't be overly surprising to see him go to uh, a team in France or a team in Italy, like Smalling I, I, and Tomori have done recently. Like honestly, I, I see I him know. going to like Bundesliga or something like that, and then yeah. trying to like I see him. I see him literally trying to go to like Dortmund or something like that, and it just going horribly wrong, and he can't get in the squad. <laughs> and just getting you stressed. know one thing. But it could be one thing about that guy is, um, I don't know, it just seems like he had a massive attitude. Whenever things were going wrong, he would scowl and blame people and throw his arms up. And I hated that about him, I have to say. All right, Daddy. Okay, I'm gonna that. like I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna end it with I wish you well, and I'm gonna stop you from going any further into this this rabbit hole. Tosin, the Lazzo Craven podcast loves you. We wish you well, no matter what you decide. Um, Elton's comments do not reflect that of the group. Yeah, look, I I I don't know what the next step is for him, but I, it seems like he's all but out the door. So. The main thing now is just picking up as much as we possibly can for Tosin. Um, trying to get, you know, 10, 12 million for him, something along those lines. And, and Which we probably will. And, and look, we, we don't have to recoup a massive amount because we only signed him for 2 million. Um, there's a reported future sale fee of 20% that'll go to Man City as well. So if we sell him for 10, um, we, we pick up 8 million in the bank and that goes towards a new player. And, um, you know, as mentioned here by Black, White and Fred on our live stream as well. Shame to lose Tosin, but I do think he can be replaced. I think Igor from Fiorentina is being lined up to fill that gap. And there are already murmurs of of players coming in in those defensive positions. So I think we'll see things start to ramp up a little bit as some of these um, rumours actually become fact over the next week or not maybe not week or so but i think once we get into mid-july and the team starts going on that pre-season tour they'll want to have wrapped up a couple of pieces of business and that will include some of the outgoings um another outgoing rumor that's worth discussing um jaupelina now this one's obviously been touted for such a long time now um but it appears west ham are going to be making uh, their initial approach for polina um, now that has the the figure has been touted at forty million, which is obviously one of those low ball initial offers. But Dad, let's say you had to accept a bid for Polina, what's the minimum that you would accept? Um, and I, I'm not even thinking here in terms of you know sort of commercial profits on our acquisition of him. I'm I'm thinking in terms of the damage it does to this team. Um and and you know the the spinal damage it does to this team. I'd I'd be wanting 70, 80 million for him and I know that we wouldn't get it. Um mm-hmm. but that's the sort of money that I'd want to buy two players and roll the dice on two of them. 80 million yeah, I mean, minimum for me. Yeah, I, I think somewhere in that 70, 80 mark. If Declan Rice is going for 100, and, and there's obviously the, the sort of England tax on that and the fact that you do need English players um, for registration reasons. But I think 
his his worth to the team is almost worth more than his actual ability um, to another yep. team. So I, actually, I at think, this moment, at this moment, he's actually worth, probably worth a hundred million to this team. In terms, he of really is because if we lost Polina, um, he he would it would just leave such a massive hole that would need to be filled. And uh, you know, as as Tony said. Um, sorry, as as Steve Reynolds on our live stream just chipped in as well and mentioned the fact that Tony Khan came out because it was reported by Talksport falsely that there was a release clause in Polina's contract. Now I believe that there was a relegation release clause in um, Polina's contract, but seeing as Fulham didn't get relegated, that clause um, was null and void. Um, and yeah, so well, there, Tony Khan. Well, I, I think it was only in the first season. Ah, okay. Um, and basically from here, Tony's come out on Twitter very clearly and said there is no release clause. And I think in saying that, it's almost sending a bit of a message also saying there is no release clause and that would be the only reason why we would sell him. Mm. There seems no incentive for me for him to actually go to West Ham at this stage in his career with what he's doing. I mean... Uh, Everything that he could potentially achieve there, he could also achieve with us. I know they've just won the Conference League, but they finished, what, like three points lower than we did in the table? More than that, I think, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, why? Like why? And also, I'm pretty sure Declan Rice has re-signed, hasn't he? Say again? I'm pretty sure Declan Rice has re-signed with West Ham. I know other clubs no. are still looking. No. Are you sure about that? Rice has said, I want to leave West Ham. I'm not not re-signing with West Ham. All right. Okay. Even still though, I see no incentive for Polina to actually go there. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Maybe maybe I'm being yeah. naive, but I don't, I don't really see what like what is the incentive for him to go there instead of staying with us? Like taking myself fully out of it as a diehard Polina. I mean, the big just... one is he'd get he'd get a massive pay rise because they would pay mm. him a lot more. And he would be playing in the Europa League next season. The one thing I will add to that is he left a team playing in the Champions League to come and join Fulham. So yeah. I don't think European football is going to be a massive draw for him. The yeah. The massive draw would be if they said, we will triple your wage at Fulham. And then it's yeah. just up to Fulham to make sure that we triple his wage to keep him. So they are just not doing that. Yeah, I mean, there, there would be reasons for him to leave. I don't think it's out of the question because, you know, great players leave teams all the time, especially mm. mid-table teams like Fulham. Um, the the big point there is he's not exactly taking a big step up. If he was, if it was Liverpool coming in for Polina, and I know it's been slightly touted around a little bit that they might be in for Polina, I think then it's a slightly different story. But there doesn't seem like there's any incentive for him really to move to West Ham. Mm. Um Apart from money, but uh, again, I think he's he's happy at Fulham. He's made that fairly clear come come the end of the season. So, yeah, in our in our comments on the live stream, we got Black, White, and Fred saying ninety to a hundred million. Most people on Twitter sort of saying that seventy plus would need to be offered. And and look, I think if we picked up eighty million for Polina, that's a pretty good deal. You saw, and the, oh, yeah. the the commercial team at Fulham would be licking their lips at that and going, we signed a player for 20 million and in a year we've made a 60 million pound profit on someone. Mm. And that money goes back into the transfer kitty as well. And you say to the scouting team, 
find me two more of these guys and we'll sign them. We'll spend 40 million or 50 million and sell them both for a hundred million in two years time. Like mm. it, it is a business at the end of the day, but for Fulham to stay up in the premier league, I think you need Polina at this totally. very moment. Yeah. We're and not so, sustainable yet without him. And so it feels like it would be commercially a poor decision. Even if someone did offer a hundred million, it feels like it would be a poor decision to actually let him go. Well, strategically, it'd be a poor decision because the way you stay up and the way you develop is to grow around a, a, a spine and a, a framework, right? And, you know, for us to sell him would be ripping the, the heart out of that. And no matter how mm. much money you made, your commercial team could be jumping up and down, but you're probably shooting yourself in the foot or certainly taking a massive risk that you can actually bring someone in to replace him. That works as well mm. for our system and everything that we do. But there, there isn't a big question here. Uh, excuse me. Isn't the big question here? You know what 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 makes Zhao happy at Fulham? I think a big part of that is um, Marco Silva, mm-hmm. and we need to be locking Marco Silva down to to surely be um, increasing the likelihood of of Zhao uh, Polinia being happy at Fulham and staying. Because if if Marcus Silva didn't stay, um, would you be nervous about uh, Joao Polinia uh, um, staying at Fulham? I definitely would. I mean, say for example, we get Brendan Rodgers in. For example, he can't speak Portuguese, so then that's half the side who doesn't understand him. A, a bit nervous, but again, like yes, the Portuguese thing does it does help. But these Premier League teams often have sixteen different nationalities. And they all, Marco Silva would not be giving his team talks in English and then again in Portuguese to the Portuguese guys. He'd be talking in English 90% of the time. Um, It it definitely helps. Would I be worried? I don't think losing a manager would all of a sudden see us lose all of our Portuguese players because he's Portuguese or Portuguese speaking players, rather. Um, But yeah, they they obviously, there's, there's a good feeling around the club at the moment. And I think. Silver's an integral part of that. So I wouldn't want to lose Silver or any of those players like Mitro, like um, Willian, like many others. So, yeah, look, I, I think there's there's part of that that I, I agree with that we do need to lock Silver down because I think if, if Silver stays, it definitely sends a bit of a message out there that this mm. is what we're doing and this is our plan. Um I'll throw to a question that Steve Reynolds has um, popped in on the live chat, and I'll add a little bit to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, talking of transfer rumours, controversial, but would you have Carvalho back on loan? And I'll also add in there Sessegnon as well, because Sess has struggled at Tottenham over the last few years, and there's been a few little rumours that Tosin uh, is touted by Tottenham as a player that they want. Um Sam, I'll throw to you first. Carvalho and Cess, would you take them both back on loan or either? I wouldn't take Cess back on loan. Just pure. I mean, I know he's a really, really brilliant player, um, but uh, I don't think that would. 
I don't know. I feel that that would fracture the ecosystem a little bit too much having him back. Um, I don't know. In my mind, I just don't necessarily see it working, especially with the way that we play. And obviously we'll compensate and we would make allowances and try to work to have him in like the squad. But I feel like that would just cause more problems. I would actually have um, also as well. He's been at Spurs for a while. So I feel like that could be a, pr- a probably quite a big hit to his ego to go back to Fulham, and I feel like that wouldn't go down well. Carvalho, I feel that we could actually potentially have him back, um, rejuvenated, chip on his shoulder from being at Liverpool. You didn't want me, as in, like, Liverpool didn't want me. I can still play in this club. He, he would be the immediate backup for Pereira or just be on rotation with him. He'd get plenty of game time. It would be a much easier transition. I, I would probably have Carvalho back. Oh, yeah, same to you, Dad, but I'll throw in one extra there as well with the fact that Moussa Dembele, as in the younger Moussa Dembele, has also said that he won't be renewing his contract, so he's available on a free at the moment. And there's quite a few clubs interested in Dembele. Would you consider any of those three players coming back to Fulham? Um, I'd consider any of those. Well, I'd certainly consider Sessegnon or... Um or Carvalho coming back to Fulham, I would not consider Carvalho coming back on loan. Um, Mm, Sure. That would be a retrograde step. Um, I love the way Sam said he'd come back with a a reinvigorated chip on his shoulder. (laughs) Well, like just, just, yeah, just because, just because of like, yeah, but like the Liverpool thing has not worked for him. Like, like, I'm Huh? Yeah, can, can you imagine taking him? Can you imagine taking him back? We've 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 sent him off to Liverpool. It hasn't worked for him. We take him back on loan, mm. magically improve him, and then he goes back with a higher value to Liverpool. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah, um, yeah. has been at at Spurs for quite a while. He's been there for quite a while now. Um, four, four, maybe oh, five geez. years. As, as an outside. He might be an interesting loan prospect. He'd probably do a job for us, I'd say. Do a really good job for us. Um, but I'd rather have him back if he really wanted to come back and he, you know, Silver convinced him and he really believed that he had a role in our side. I'd love to have him back. I rate him. I think he's great. Um, in the three years that Sessegnon was at Fulham, he made 106 appearances, remembering as well that he debuted as a 16-year-old for Fulham. Um, in the three years he's been at Tottenham, he's made 38 appearances. Yeah, he, he, um, hasn't, he, he hasn't been consistent. There massively right. stagnated at Tottenham. He, four seasons he's been there, 56 total appearances. In three seasons at Fulham, it was 120 total appearances. So he's played half as much for Tottenham in a year extra than he played in his whole time at Fulham. He, he did have a bit of a better run this year. He made 17 appearances in the league. Mm. Um, but, look, I, I, I think with both of these guys... I would not take them on loan. I'd take them back as as players. I think both of them... I, I know people arc up a fair bit when I say Sessegnon would be a good left-back backup option and they say he's not a left-back, but he, he has played at left-back before and I think as a backup option, he's more than capable to stand in for a game or two. Um, I, I'd take him as, a, as an option. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, Black, White and Fred mentions it on the live stream here as well. There's a, a rumour of... Um, Andreas Pereira going to PSG in this summer as well. Mm. Um, taking back someone like Carvalho, 
it, it's not the worst option to have him slot in because he's good enough and he's very unhappy at Liverpool. Yeah. Um, it is tough for a player also, to basically... He was also pretty unhappy at Fulham and it wasn't that long ago. I don't think he was unhappy at Fulham. I think he... He, he was playing so well, and I think when you've got big clubs coming in for you and interested in signing you, it's hard to turn away. Um, yeah. It's hard to ignore it. And I, I think fair play to him going off to Liverpool. I mean, Harvey Elliott has done a superb job at Liverpool, and I think we all thought this stupid kid going off to Liverpool and taking a massive step in his career, and he's way too young and it's too early, and he's turned out to be a really good signing for Liverpool. So, look, I, I think... I'd actually like both of them back, and I'd like Dembele as well as a backup striker. And I think if the option is I want, there, I we want the old one. Explore it. Yeah, well, even at Dembele, if he's forty-five odd now, I'd still take him. I'll, I'll have him on crutches. Um, speaking of uh, Andreas Pereira to PSG, uh, thoughts on that, Sammy? Uh, at PSG. Mm. Not fully sure how that would work. Um, they do take random players. They do take random players as well, but like I, yeah, well, like PSG's in the midst. They must be in the midst of a massive reshuffle because what Messi's leaving. Dia Maria is he even still there? Is or is he retired or in the process of like? Not sure. Like moving Mbappe on. Mbappe said he's leaving at the end of next season. Yeah, Neymar hasn't got that much longer in him. So it's a bit of a weird time for PSG, and I'm not necessarily sure if he would thrive in that kind of redevelopment period or maybe get lost in the shuffle and then that detriment. There's a lot of egos. PSG seems like quite a toxic place outside of money and potentially playing with pretty elite players. Not, I don't really know what the what the draw would be um, aside from saying that you played at PSG at that time period. I don't know. I, 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 I can't really say I know Andreas Pereira well enough to really know if that would um, be an area where he would like to be. Uh, this uh, it's just it's just transfer talk, isn't it? It's so hard to speculate because he's like, I don't know these players intimately. I know them lovingly from afar, you know? <laughs> It's the joy of transfer rumors. Honestly, Pereira at Fulham just feels right. Not not because I'm a Fulham fan. It it just seems like it's actually worked for him coming from Man City to us, and he's got all the opportunities. He's our first pick. Um, I think if anything, he's suffered from not having a really good backup. Um, Not Mm. not only that can push him. I think he just got exhausted at a few. Uh, times in the season and it didn't really go well for him. I think he he got a bit burnt. Um, Mm. And I think the possibility of uh, playing within an even better squad would actually be exciting for him. I think it would be. Um, Mm. So, look, um, I guess if if he was offered enormous amounts of money, that might be difficult for him to refuse. 30 million for us. I don't know that that, you know, solves huge problems for us because we need to be spending that sort of money anyway to be mm. buying um, a, a partner for him. Uh, so mm. if he goes, now we're in for 50, 60, 70 million in that role, 
and we're rolling the dice on two new players. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be doing it. It's too much of a change for us. If I if I was if I was Pereira right, um, and they'd be selling it to me, they'd be like, "Oh, you'd be playing Champions League with Mbappe," as Black, White, and Fred have said. I'd be kind of going, "Am I actually though?" Because I don't really know where Mbappe stands right now. And you'll get to play with. Like, imagine if, like, three months ago, they were like, oh, you got to play with Messi, and now he's at Inter Milan. It's 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 too – that club is way too chaotic. But, again, I, I can't speak for Andreas Pereira. I don't, I don't know how he, how he would feel. Well, PSG have money, so you might not play with Mbappe, but you're going to be playing with You'll some top talent. Shitload. You're going to win a league title, almost certainly, yeah. and you're going to be playing in the Champions League. So there's definitely a draw there. Uh, it's just about if he decides that he wants to go do that. Uh, it, and it's probably a conversation with PSG to be had to say, well, what's my actual role here? Are you signing me as a backup player to sit on the bench? Or am I starting every game? Because if I'm starting every game, if I was Pereira, I'd probably be leaving. Uh, and I think that would be, uh, most of us would probably go, yep, fair enough. That's a, a really, it's, a, it's too too good to turn down. And if we signed him for, roughly 10 million and we pick up 30 for him a year later i think you can invest that 30 and make it go a long way in terms of some really good attacking midfielders even if it's someone like a carvalho and comes back for 15 million i'd I'd take that oh i wouldn't swap that you wouldn't swap carvalho for Pereira. no and even if we banked 15 million by doing it i wouldn't do that no, we bank thirty. Yeah. But oh, okay. You mean yeah, banking yeah, fifteen. Yeah, yeah look, uh, uh, it's, you think, uh, think, think about think about think about how absolutely brilliant Pereira was from set pieces. Now there are lots of players who can give you that, but he knows our system and he works for us. Um, mm. And if we could, you know, if we if we could find another attacking midfielder, not lose him, but find another attacking midfielder, that was that gave us something a little different which allowed Marco Silva to be able to, you know, play some chess even better. But to lose him and have Carvalho, for example, I'd be thinking, who's taking our corners? You take James Ward-Prowse? Yeah, I just saw that, yeah. i take James Ward-Prowse totally. I feel like James Ward-Prowse is yep. very much within the conversation of players that we would realistically be in for. Right, I mean, well, like, I feel like he's I mean, it depends. Shit. It depends on the money. I think he's probably looking slightly above us, but um, it depends if there are teams out there willing to put the money towards him. I mean, mm. Crystal Palace will pick up a fair whack for Zaha going out to Saudi Arabia, so they they might potentially have the opportunity to bring someone like Ward Prowse. I actually, it's really weird that Wright Wright's Wildlife Exploring Adventures, who are joining in on our live stream, um, I. At the is, that, is, that Tom Wright's wild, is that Tom Wright's wildlife exploring adventure? I don't think so. Um, Shout uh, out Tom Wright. At the exact same time, <laughs> I uh, actually jumped on to look at a few other players and thought about James Ward-Prowse. So um, there's there's options out there. What I'm saying is I think if you get $30 million for a player who's probably not worth $30 million, no offence to Pereira, but I think he's a 15 to maybe $20 million player. But if you get 30 for him, it opens a lot of doors. Because let's say we have a hundred million in the kitty before we sell any players this year, you get ten mil for Tosin, you get thirty mil for Pereira. All of a sudden, there's a potential for us to have hundred and fifty million sitting there in the transfer kitty, and you can get a lot of good players for 
fractions of that. If we we could end up signing, you know, ten players for fifteen million, and all of a sudden you've really strengthened your side. So um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one, and there's a lot of a lot of questions still floating out there. And I think, like I said, this is episode one of our transfer rumors in the off season. I think there's a lot more to discuss. Um, but I think what we should do is probably wrap this one up unless you guys have anything else to discuss on this one. Uh, no, no, not really. Um, uh, uh, yeah, no. I, I, I was going <laughs> to talk about a possible need for another centre-back, but maybe we won't go there. Do you know? I yeah. feel like that's. I feel like that's probably going to be another. If you would like to hear a, a podcast about that, please let us know. But we're what, like an hour and twenty in now. Like, yeah, this this there's like it's almost twelve o'clock here for me. I can't start that now. I can't. I can't. Yeah. Look, I'll I'll read out a statement that was made by um, Fulham. Just recently, right, fine, and it's literally. It. Come on, let's go. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. We're, we're not going to get into it because I, we, yeah. we're going to wait for some more information to come out. But um, a Fulham spokesperson today said in a statement, "We are aware of reports emanating from France this morning regarding one of our players, Issa Diop. We are currently liaising with the players' representatives to establish the facts." Now that doesn't really tell us a huge amount there, but um, as you said, Sammy, we will definitely have. A, another podcast in the coming days and in that we will discuss the the developing story about Diop and how that's going to affect us going forward um, because look I, I think there's there's a lot to discuss but at the moment we just don't know the facts fully and I think it would be wrong of us to discuss it at this stage before we do find out so uh, we're, we're expecting to podcast sometime next week um and look, I'm hoping that Fulham have released a statement by then with a bit more information. I'm hoping that we get a bit more information. But as we're recording this, the story literally broke an hour ago. And so there's just no information out there. It's only been reported by um, the sun and the mirror really so far. So mm. not overly comfortable going into too much detail when it's still very early days. But we definitely will discuss it in a bit more detail as we get more information. So do make mm. sure you tune in to the next episode which like i said hopefully in the next week or so um we've, we're running on a bit of a loose schedule here while we're catching up and watching the ashes as well at the same time so maybe we'll we definitely like a, cover it maybe we should do like a 30 minute standalone or something like that let the people know if that's what that's what you want just uh just yeah. a just a quickie yeah, poss- possibly if we can do a quickie minutes. on it if we can do a quickie yeah. um but yeah look um like I said, we will be releasing another episode in the next few days. Thank you, Steve Reynolds, uh, for updating us on the Ashes score there. For anyone interested, England now 6 for 196, the lead of 203. Looks like it's Australia's to wrap up from here. Um, yes. And yeah, do feel free to engage with us on the cricket as well because we are, Sam excluded, we are a cricketing family as well as a Fulham family. So um, I can also we do talk enjoy about... a bit of, a bit of yeah. Ashes banter. I can talk about a bunch of other things. You don't need to talk to me about cricket. Mine is much broader. We can go into Pokemon or we could just, I mean, you can just tell me about you. I'm interested, you know, like let's talk about your family trauma. Anyway, Jack, send us out. <laughs> well, do do make sure as well to follow Sam. He's on Twitter now, finally, at mm. Sam, S-A-M-M. Yeah. 
Is that it? Yeah, I can't even remember what it was, to be honest. I should get that in for like the next podcast. I should have that down. Twitter's a Definitely. weird place. I genuinely um, don't really like it there that much. But <laughs> it's um no, it's good for Fulham News. It's nice to engage with people. There is questionable, questionable stuff floating around on there. But you know what? It's nice to it's nice to be able to say I can be a part of a part of it to an extent. It's Very better true. to do than not do, I guess. So, Sammy, thank you again for joining us tonight. And it's a bit of a late one, and you, it's time for bed with work tomorrow. It's late and cold. My heat is actually busted, so I had a cold shower. But you know what? After my cold shower, this was a nice warm hug. <laughs> Lovely. I'll take it. And, uh, Dad, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, looking forward to messaging you for the next three hours as we watch the cricket until the very wee hours of the morning. Yep, yep, yep. We were invited to to join a... Um, an Ashes podcast, and as much as I'd love to talk about it, I, I think I might just explode with exhaustion. But uh, in the absence of that, Jack and I are on like a constant, constant feed at the moment on on Ashes chat and uh, combating Bazball. Uh, but there you so go. It's, uh, uh, yeah, very rough watching from 6 p.m. till 2 a.m. every morning. Yeah, mm, I just work full time mm. like a normal person. Apparently, so. I work full time on top of that. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, thank yeah, you very much I for feel joining like, me tonight. Um, yeah, no, Dad, like wrap it up. Wrap it up. No, it's... no, no. I, I, I've got another hour to talk about. No, I'm only kidding. Oh, I feel like I feel like there's some some good stuff coming down the line over the next week Actually, or so. I'll um, give you credit, so, yeah. Dad. I'll give you credit, Dad. I was fully prepared to like play like some Oscar music for you at any point tonight. You were very concise with your answers, and I appreciate that. This outro is going forever. Well, brutal how you cut him off during his outro there as well, Sammy. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, guys, let's wrap it up there. Thank you again for joining me, and thanks to everyone who's joined on the live stream. Uh, great to see uh, ben Wright, first time on the live stream. Thank you for contributing. Black, White and Fred, Steve Reynolds and all you others who didn't comment tonight but were still following along. We really appreciate it. Um, like I said, we'll be releasing more content over the coming weeks. So do keep in touch with us. Feel free to hit us up anytime you see any Fulham news as well. Um, we're always happy to share and always happy to keep pumping Fulham news to all the Fulham fans out there. So thank you again and come on you whites.